Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars... Welcome back to Action Jackson. I'm tomorrow. over on the board. S&P futures down 15. NASDAQ futures down 51. Dow futures down 119 after a very flat day yesterday. Uh, matter of fact, it was pretty much a snoozer yesterday, but uh, that's so, so today. We're eating up a little bit with this uh, CPI number tomorrow. The number that... Uh, um, well, let's put it this way. In my lifetime, I used to trust. Now I think it's a total total BS, but uh, it's closely watched, so we say, just like the unemployment numbers. Do we have uh, Brendan? I am here, Chief. How I'm are you this morning? Doing all right. How are you? Good, thank you. I uh, recovered a little bit today from my uh, seeing the... <laughs> I don't know which is worse, Brendan. I Seeing the big accident on the Ryan coming home on Sunday night with the one or two bodies laying on the pavement, and I couldn't find anything at all about it in the news. Is this so commonplace now that it's not even news, or we don't have reporters, or what, what is the deal? I didn't hear about that accident either. Nor are you likely to, because if you saw it and looked for it, you couldn't find it. Yeah, that's amazing. Where was that, Where did it happen? Uh, seven by 79th Street coming in. Oh, wow. A couple of motorcycles involved. I don't, I don't think those guys ended up too good. You know, I, usually motorcycles on an accident on the expressway don't do very well. And I, I, you know, I there was some hint of a shooting, but I don't think I don't think there was a shooting. I, I don't think so. But you know, who knows? That was the most likely thing when you said when you said there was an accident uh, with a couple of uh, bodies under blankets. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Was uh, was there another shooting on the expressway? Well, there might have been because there were like four four cars on the shoulder on one side, two on the other. So it was kind of hard to figure out who was what where. A couple of bikes were down, and one was further down, and uh, and like I said, it, it was at least one, maybe two. Uh, looked like covered up something on the pavement. I had to assume they were bodies. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was kind of ruined a nice day, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm trying to find out what happened, and I, I it's nowhere. I don't, I don't think there's anybody. Uh, I wonder, Matty, you think our guy, our, our guy used to do the murders? You think he's still doing stuff? Have you read anything from him? I haven't read anything from him for a long time, um, but I'm I'm sure he's around. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know who, who goes out and covers this stuff. Does anybody? Well, you know, they used to have people from the city news service, city news bureau, doing stuff like that. They had uh, police reporters, beat reporters who did nothing but follow the police scanners. But you know, I I've heard recently that uh, even the police scanners are being restricted. They're being blocked so that if you're sitting at home listening to the police scanner, you can't hear what's going on, even in your neighborhood. Well, you know, uh, Lightfoot tried to do that, and she got a bunch of pushback. Where did that, where did that all land? Do you have any idea? Maybe, maybe she was successful at it. I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe what I'm remembering is that she tried that, but I, I thought that was still in effect, that the uh, police scanner was uh, 
was restricted now so that many people cannot hear what's going on uh, the way they used to over the airwaves. I mean, I remember as a kid, my parents had uh, a radio and they were tuned into the police scanner almost every night just to see what was going on. Uh, it was a hoot. <laughs> oh yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I would I would think that the scanner should be the way it was, but I don't think there's any question that uh, the tactical people they can't just let everybody else know where they're going. I mean, uh, there's well, that's be... true. Yeah, I mean that was the downside because that kind of reported where the incidents were, and you assume that that's where the cops were being uh, sent. Um, but you also didn't want to advertise. Or promote where the cops were going you know it's like that old hockey adage that Gretzky used to say that you know the great hockey players don't go where the puck is they go where the puck is going to be uh, that's what that's what my stepfather used to say about Adrian Dantley going for a rebound he, go, mm-hmm. you know, he knows right where the ball is going to be nobody else does now once he gets his hands on it nobody can touch it. it it's it's a quote that has many fathers yeah yeah well it's a so uh you, it was worth it going to all those heart games when they absolutely sucked last year to get this number one pick, or what? Sure, it looks like. Well, we won't know that for another couple of years because I even you know, it took three years after they got Kane uh, to go with Taves to get their first Stanley Cup. Uh, and right now, I don't know that the the Blackhawks have a lot more depth around him because remember when they got Kane, they had Taves from the year before, and they still had some guys around who were were serviceable. It looks like the Hawks have just completely emptied the stable of of very most of the people who anybody are, who was like over minimum wage they got rid of. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, did that pay off? Well, they they got the first pick, uh, but you know they they would have had odds as one of the worst five teams to get the first pick. Maybe not as much, but it turned out lucky enough for them that they got it. But who are they going to bring in, or who are they going to develop? even in the minors, to, to go with this guy if he's as great as he sounds like he is. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here because I, I don't know this for sure. If somebody can tell me for sure, that would be great. I'm going to say that a year like last year, the, uh, the, the Hawks probably made more money than they have in any other year. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. How old was Bobby Hull when he got drafted, or when they signed him? He was born in uh, 1939. Was he? So he would have been about 21, 22, because wasn't like 60, 61 when he came he up? He was on a 61 uh, Stanley Cup team, I know. Right, but I don't know if that was his first or his second year with, with the Hawks. Playing career, playing career is 1957. Oh, okay, so 18. So, so he was, so he was uh, 18, so almost 18. like this kid. Yeah, like this kid, yeah. And Kane was about seventeen or eighteen when he was drafted. Yeah, I mean, you obviously you can sort of most people be able to tell with these guys. Uh, I know that we had a guy at uh, there was a bunch of well, a bunch of several of the guys at Notre Dame. We had a really good team when I was a senior, actually junior and senior, and he uh, uh, we had a bunch of guys that went to the pros, and one of them was a a guy uh, named Bill Naira, and he was talking about a natural. He went out for football one year, just for laughs. He wanted to be the quarterback. He almost beat out the, the whoever the starting quarterback was. And hmm. it, when he said you got to play second string, he said, "Now nah, I'm going back to hockey." But he was <laughs> he, he was like six two, two twenty five, just a, a a perfect specimen. And what he would what he would do when the other team came in, every skate they do the big skate around, they're all the ice at the same time, they're all skating around, warming up. 
he would skate backwards faster than everybody else was skating forwards. Just to... <laughs> and he ended up going on. Uh, he was, made the All Star team and won a. I think he won a Stanley Cup for Montreal or somebody or somebody. Then the poor guy went. He did a. Uh, his dad was a big shot at Northrop or somebody. And uh, and he, you know, he had a, had a real job after he retired and everything. And but he was into charity, so he did a bike a bike trip. I think from like Minneapolis, he was from Minnesota, Minnesota. I uh, did a bike trip from there to like L.A. for charity, mm-hmm. and like three weeks later, he gets uh, diagnosed with some rare form of cancer, and he's dead in like four months. Ooh, yeah, unbelievable! Wow, Could, you couldn't find a nicer guy. Um, anyway, but hey, uh, I want to since you have uh, knowledge on this, more, what, what is your take? Because I've had a lot of my clients and people who aren't clients uh, always want my, they want my take on this debt ceiling thing and matter of fact some people you know think that maybe gold's the price the thing to uh, buy and you know the, the metals or should we short the market and you know I here's here's what I seem to recall about this stuff uh, Brennan who's ever in office everybody uh, the other side always does this which yep. is kind of crazy but um, from one of the some of the stuff that Carl's been saying you know, because Carl you know, researches a lot of this stuff, is he claims when when people do the budget stuff going forward that a lot of these a lot of bills that have passed, or revenue bills, they they have a a ten year or five year time horizon on them. They're, they're supposed to, whatever the program is, the program is supposed to stop. Mm-hmm. And when the Congressional Budget Office goes through the the predictions for the next twenty years. By law, they have to they have to go by the law and say this thing is going to stop, mm-hmm. and it and they never do. They all, well not never, but very rarely do. They just keep getting extended. But they can't. The budget office can't take that into consideration when they're putting together the numbers. They can't say, "Oh, this one's going to be extended, so we got to add this much money four years from now." So there is somewhat of a gap. I mean, for somebody like me to say. Hey, you idiots! All voted for this stuff. Now it's coming home to fruition. Why, why are you, uh, you know, bitching about this cap? Because you're the ones who voted for it. You shouldn't get a second slice at the apple. But really, I mean, it, it, like the I use the Trump tax cuts. They were supposed to by now be accretive, and of course they're not. It was total BS to begin with. And and one of the first you know Biden plans on if everybody only had internet, you know, we'd all be so uh, you know, efficient that by the way the taxes would get higher. Well, that's all BS too. But it, well, I guess what I'm saying is the, the 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 performance of the government, for lack of a better phrase, has been way worse than than the uh, predictions for various reasons. That a couple of which I just mentioned. So this the the borrowing is actually a lot higher than really anybody quote voted for. So there is somewhat of a reason why guys would say, look, we need to readdress this. So I'm not, I'm not agreeing with anybody. I'm just, I'm just trying to set the stage. And, and the other part of this coin is, it seems to me that politically, every party because, you know, people are people good points and bad points and one of the bad points is, people don't really give a crap all, as long as they get their check. Well, if the check is delayed for two, two weeks, whoever it is that delayed it, it could be Solomon, it could be God, he could be right as rain. It, it doesn't matter. They 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 hate the party that stopped the check. Plus, I think people get pissed off when 
federal employees get laid off for eight weeks, and then they pay them for the back time where they weren't at work. I, I get pissed off at that. So, where does this, where does this all land in your mind? I mean, at this time, since they can throw McCarthy out, they all voted for this quote deal he could present to Biden that Biden's not going to take. I get this weird feeling this one might have some legs. I'm afraid this one may have some legs too, and you know I think that you're absolutely right that first whoever is the party out of the White House is the one that all of a sudden gets fiscal responsibility when it's time for the debt limit to be raised and and raises the the issues. However, I do think that it would be catastrophic if it came to a point that we didn't pay social security we didn't pay our debts generally but didn't make Medicare payments or Social Security payments or veterans pay or military payments to the to the people in the armed services. Um, so it's really a risky ta- tactic. And I think that, you know, this time uh, a, a lot of the Republicans, I mean, the Republicans don't have a big majority in the House. So I think that McCarthy cobbled together something with a bunch of promises that I'm not sure he can fulfill, regardless of how this turns out. I do think that, that this is more a political bet than anything else. And the bet is that if there's a debt, uh, a failure to pay our debt, that Biden will be the one tagged with it, not the Republicans. Um, it's interesting because in the past, when there's been government shutdowns, it has been the Republican Party who has borne the brunt of the blame by the general public, in which case, if McCarthy and the Republicans catch the blame for this, they are really in a, a, a big pile of doo-doo come the, the 24 elections, uh, not to mention what's going to happen to the economy between now and then. So, I mean, it's a huge gamble, and ultimately, you know, I understand and I agree that, you know, when they passed legislation for bills and spending in the past, it may have increased uh, geometrically, exponentially, uh, than originally planned. But still, we've agreed to pay this. The, the solution is to have a separate, e- either completely get rid of the debt limit, which I'm not advocating, but that you know that's one solution, or take a lot of these claims up in the next spending bill. You know, if you if the Republicans have the ability to put this kind of a provision in the debt limit increase, then they should be able to hang together for the next budget or the next spending bill to hold the line again. Well, it would seem that that would be the the way to do it. And I guess I'm not, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm not taking really a side on this other than the fact that... Uh, it does seem like a second bite at the apple, but I, I, I will say, in defense, there's always, I guess, in today's world, I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a throwback, Brennan, but there's always two sides to every argument, even though most sides don't believe that anymore. Uh, the fact is, none of these guys voted, if you added all the stuff up, none of these guys voted for a $32 trillion national debt. Mm-hmm. And, and somewhere, some some day, that has to be addressed. The, 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 yep. the, the, the regular public's idea that I don't care, just give me my check, you know, like Grandpa Simpson. Um, I don't... There, there's some there's some end to this. I don't know what it is, because if, if somebody would have said there's an end to it at 25, they'd be wrong. And if you were to go on, you know, national TV and say, you know, we can't keep doing this, one of the attractive young ladies would say, what do you mean? Somebody said that three years ago and we're still doing fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because that, that's the... Why hasn't it happened yet, if you're right? You know, why mm-hmm. Why has the market collapsed if all of a sudden earnings are down and P ratios are up? 
What are you saying? It's, it's up again today. What, you know, if you're shorting a thing, you're not doing so hot. The guys that are long are making all the money. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean you don't want to be a predictor. You don't want to be the person that, you know, that says the bridge is going to fall down and watch it fall down either. I mean, it, it, it kind of leaves you in a weird spot. I, I just, somewhere between 31 and 61, I think we got a problem. As to where it is, I, I don't know, do you? No, I don't. But, you know, at, at some point, somebody is going to have to really uh, take a, a significant and realistic view. And, you know, I go back to things that you and I remember in our lifetimes with inflation under the Carter administration and Volcker and letting prime rate go above 20 percent. That was very, very painful. But, um, you know, it was it was deemed necessary based on where we were, the economy at the time. And, you know, the only way out of the debt crisis is pain. I, I, I mean, I agree with you that it's gotten so far out of hand that there will be some pain. It, but is the pain to be done by reneging on our debts for what we've already committed to pay? Or is it to stop additional spending going forward in the future? Well, you're, you you said two things that are very interesting coming from you. Uh, because remember a guy speaks all his thinks twice about his words before he says them why did you say inflation under the Carter administration because I remember when prime was 21% okay now why why why'd you say Carter well because he was in the late 70s he was the one who uh, who had Volcker in there as the the Fed chairman when they when they had the, the crisis and that's part of what caused him to, to lose the election in 1980 you know you know you're right. He got he got pinned with it by. Now I'm not saying he should have won. I'm not by an incredibly short-sighted populace. You you forget mm-hmm. the Jerry Ford whip inflation now buttons, don't you? No, no, I I know that, yeah. but but I'm and I'm going with the practical aspects of that. That he got tagged with it. He right, was the, right, okay. In poker. So my my point. I'm I'm not talking about that he was the cause of it. Okay, but I'm saying he was the one. With Volcker, who who went through the pain, and that pain cost him the election in uh, in large part in 1980. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a there's a book that one of the, actually one of the listeners sent me. Uh, it's about the Federal Reserve, and you know, he Carter, whether he was competent or not in that job, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but he he was a pretty honest man, and when he the, the, they came to him, the the, tre- the Secretary of Treasury, whoever it was at the time said, you know, you can either, we can hold off on putting the economy into a recession, it was the election year, and uh, or we can do it now. And Carter said, which would be better for the population? They said, well, it's always better to do it now because it doesn't get mm-hmm. as deep. And he said, go ahead. Yeah. And, and he says, I, I probably have the election won anyway, and then he didn't. Or, mm-hmm. he, didn't, or he didn't think... Uh, Making the economy worse was worth him getting in office, one or the other. Where, yeah. uh, and he he actually slit his own throat for for lack of a better term. Uh, it was it was interesting history though. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. We're we're getting to the stage here where now we we're going to go into a recession, and we're going to try and fight inflation now. Yet it is so uneven, Brandon. It's so scary. I don't, I I am so against inflation, as you know. You've talked to me for years. I'm not sure fighting this right now is uh, by standard means. While you keep, I don't, I don't know how if that works. It might it might make things worse. I mean, if we all of a sudden try and actually, a good a good a good one for you. Somebody asked me, uh, 
um, one of some lady who listens to us in one of the places I go once in a while. She goes, I don't really understand what you're talking about when you say the, the inflation is kind of over, but we have a price level problem. And I said, well, think of it this way. You're supposed to eat 2,000 calories a day. You eat three. So for the next year, you gain 50 pounds. So now you decide you're cutting back to the 2,000 cal- 2, a day. You're not gaining anymore, but you're still a big fat cell. Mm-hmm. And she goes, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I understand what you're talking about now, which is kind of where we're at, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I don't know right now if you go into a, a negative money supply, where you actually did it, which these guys really aren't doing it. But if you actually went to a, a serious negative money supply and tried to take some of this back, I don't know where we land. I, mean, I honestly don't. I mean, uh, because right now I don't, I don't see the people who are being harmed the most by inflation that if you throw us into some kind of a big recession, they all get laid off. I don't see how, how that helps. If you, if you keep your eye focused on every man, Brennan, what do you think the policy would be to help every man? I'm not even sure. You can't. I mean, <laughs> now, I'm not talking about every man. I'm talking about the guy in the middle. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's hard to target legislation or even policy to even the man in the middle. And I, you know, I do think that, especially over the last couple of years, the last couple of maybe decades or so, that every man has been forgotten. You have a lot of tax breaks and tax cuts for the rich. You've got a lot of social programs for the people on the other end of the economic spectrum. And the pinch point is every man in the middle. And that has to stop because you know, one of the, the phrases my mother used to use and you use all the time is you can't get blood out of a turnip. And there is only enough, uh, there, there's not enough right now to keep squeezing the middle that something has to happen. Um, and there has to be political will to do it. And well, I, who represents yeah. the person in the middle? To, to a large extent, in one man's opinion, mine, the unions, not that they knew they had that job, but sort of had the same agenda. I'm not talking about the public employee unions. I'm talking about regular unions. Uh, sort of had their 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 agenda sort of matched up with the middle class. I don't yeah. see any. I don't see any middle class with any voice now whatsoever. Do you? No, I don't. And, and I agree with you to put aside all the, the the government unions because that's a separate category. But for years and years, a lot of the advances made for middle America were done through the unions. You know the uh, the forty hour work week. A lot of the benefits were done because of union activity, um, but unfortunately, unions are diminished, if not practically non-existent anymore. And uh, except for the public service unions, which again are another category completely, and there aren't very many people who are willing to to stake out the the area to protect the middle class and every man. Right, we have a few minutes tonight. Don't want to get too political on this, but this one thing that keeps bothering the living bejesus out of me is this: the store that goes up in Inglewood. Now, f- listeners have to know that I have a very soft spot for Inglewood because that's where my mother grew up, and I'm I, I spent my first six years of my life basically two blocks away. You wouldn't know it now because everything's down from where this store is going up uh, to, re- to replace the uh, was it whole paycheck. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, it was a Whole Foods that, that was just pulled out of, of Englewood. And it, you, you're talking about the Save-A-Lot? Yeah. 
I, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, this is not, you know. I, matter of fact, I'm not curious. I'm, I'm, I'm actually horrified and, and very pissed off. The people who are demonstrating against this guy opening. First of all, who the hell are they? I mean, what, do we do we have a new a new elected spot now called a community organizer? Who are these people, and why does anybody listen to them? Because they've got a bullhorn and they rile people up. It, you know, it, it it's um, a slightly different script, but the, the same play that's being written and played out in many other parts of the country at many different levels of government. Okay, so, but I need to, I need if I want to put up a store and open the doors and I have stuff in there for sale, isn't the American way, if I don't like it, I go there once and never go back? I mean, I, I don't get the idea that somehow somebody has to approve me opening. Is this a new set of rules that I don't know about? It, there are not a set of rules that you don't know about unless I don't know about them either. But yes, part of the free economy is that if I want to risk my capital and put a store into 63rd and Halstead or 95th and, and Western or up in Lake Forest, then I have that right to do that. And um, the community will tell me if it's a successful venture or not because they'll either support it and keep me in business or they won't. And in the case of, of Whole Foods, they didn't. Uh, they, in case of Walmart in, in different parts of the city, they weren't able to support the community. So here you've got somebody who is willing to take a risk. And um, I agree with you that, you know, when, when, the, when Save-A-Lot or any venture goes into a community, they have to meet the licensure requirements of the, the city of Chicago, the local municipality. They don't have to get approval from the community organizers or the people who vote with their feet. But they're interviewing these... 18-year-old girls, and they're giving like their opinion. I, I can't imagine me leaving high school at 18 to go stand in front of a place saying you, you shouldn't be able to open this, this lady's store in the Evergreen Plaza. I mean, it, what, 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 what would even th- me think that I... First of all, that anybody would let me talk on TV, and secondly, that would give me a right to have an opinion on this. What, who cares what I think? I agree. I, I agree completely. You know, the, if uh, and for anybody in the community who is opposed to a store, then you either do without that service, whether it's a food store, or cosmetic store, or whatever, or automotive store, whatever it happens to be, you either um, you know, don't use the services or you get the capital and you put your own store in there for those services. But you there, was a, compl- there was a place, we'll go over a second here, Mitty. Remember, you remember the Red Rooster stores? You ever heard Red that name? Rooster. Way, way back in the day, I was a caddy at Ridge. And there was this guy, he was kind of a disgusting creature with the, the wife with the huge hair. Anyway, he was nine miles of bad road, but he owned these stores in the, in the bad neighborhoods or, you know, whatever the neighborhoods, minority neighborhoods. Well, could have could been the poor. He was everywhere the poor neighborhoods were. It didn't matter what color it was, I don't think. And he was all of a sudden, and I knew the guy a little bit, as much as a caddy knew of a member, and uh, all of a sudden they're all out because the guy... Citywide was selling people like a pound of ham and giving them fourteen ounces. <laughs> now, that, now those demonstrations I can get. You know, we don't want to go the here. Thumb anymore. on the scale, literally yeah. putting the thumb. At, on the literally scale. putting the. Th- I, don't, I think scales were all rigged. Yeah, I mean, he was out of business in like a month. I didn't. I, I kind of cheered his going down though. Yeah, but, but anyway, but he was a character. Anyway, Brent, thank you very much, buddy. Have a nice weekend. Uh, SP I Futures hope you down. at least gave you good tips. Yeah, SP Futures down seventeen. Actually, he did. Uh, 
Big fat guy. Um, anyway, he was a good golfer, too. Imagine that. All he did was golf. Uh, SP Futures down 17. Nasdaq Futures down 68. Yeah, he, he, he used to go for the club championship every year. He was, he was a big bag to get. You and, be like, was he the only one writing down his score? Uh, you know, I never had him. I was the, the only the guys that got him were like number one through ten. I never made it down there. He, all the really good guys got him. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'll say the guy's name, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> take care of yourself. We'll be right back. But it sounds like. Yeah, it's a. Uh, his you, initials are. <laughs> yeah, B R were his initials, <laughs> uh, but this is so long ago, nobody remember. Anyway, we'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lone Warp, Stacks and Jacks, downtown Mount Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 18, the SP Futures down 71. And he's furiously over there trying to get his, his uh, paying up as much as he can for Hawks season tickets next year. And between, uh, between, so I can't go to him because he's online. So, Matty, what are you getting? 400 hours a seat? Do you know last year they had the third lowest uh, percentage of capacity uh, in the entire league? So, no one was going last year, even though I'm sure a lot of the tickets were sold. Uh, Bill Murphy's two son in laws. I think both have at least four seats apiece, and they never went to a game. No, I think they were able to give them away, but uh, hey, I, still, I bet it's still a profitable year for the franchise. Oh, yeah. Uh, down Futures down 132. In Europe, we've got, uh, no, these guys were up yesterday. Next down 54.3%, FTSE down 35.5%. Kick around down 75, that's a full 1%, so they, they lead the league to the downside there. Asian, here you got to be careful because some of these guys weren't uh, 
open. Nikkei's up 292. They weren't open yesterday. Uh, that's a full 1%. Hang Seng uh, down 429. That's over 2%. They're back under 19, uh, 20,000. 19,867 as they seem to be regaining their volatile ways. Uh, Shanghai down 37. That's 1.1%. Uh, yesterday, just to confirm, Dow was down 55. S&P up 2. NASDAQ was like uh, almost unchanged. So yeah, it was a, it was a dud day yesterday. Uh, bonds down three basis points, 3.49. The Bund down one, 2.30. Japan up two to 0.43. Uh, we've got oil, which has crept back over 70 bucks, but now it's coming back down again. It was 74, now it's 72.49, down 67 cents. Brent down 66 cents, 76.35. Natural gas down five cents, 218. Arbob down two cents, 244. And I'm going to say gas prices have to be. What'd you say, Maddie? At least sixty cents higher than the last time oil was at seventy-two bucks, maybe more than that. So the let's just say the uh, the spread is widening, and, and we're putting it in the tank here. Gold up six bucks, two thousand thirty-nine. Silver down four cents, twenty-five seventy-nine. Copper down two cents, three ninety. These numbers will move tomorrow, I think, with the uh, with the inflation number. Crypto was down huge yesterday, but it's coming back a bit today. Uh, Twenty-seven thousand six thirty-eight. That's up 200 bucks. Yesterday was down like 1100. And the U.S. dollar continues. Well, actually, today the dollar is up some. So the, the British the euro is back down under 110 for the first time in a few days. But the British pound is still 126. So that's the one that's been kind of beating up on the dollar more than the euro. Maddie, what do you have for us? Traffic Weather Sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a good start on the area expressways. Lots of traffic on the Kennedy due to the road construction, but we're getting used to that. Same with traffic building on the Eisenhower and Stevenson, but no accidents to report on any of the area expressways. So enjoy a nice, uh, normal Tuesday morning commute. Off the expressways, there's one crash in the city. Uh, This is uh, at Devon Avenue and St. Louis on the north side. Weather today, uh, sunshine early, then some clouds rolling in, uh, mild temperatures, a uh, high of just 58, so below normal there, but a bit warmer than yesterday. Right now it's clear and 49 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 93 today. Right now it's clear and 69. In sports, Cubs dropped their second straight, losing to the Cardinals 3-1. to Cubs are back below 500 now, 17-18. and and in worse news, Nico Horner left the game in the fifth inning with uh, hamstring tightness. He pulled up going from uh, first to third on a uh, Dansby Swanson double and had to leave the game. So we'll see how long he's going to be out. Uh, Cubs are now 17 and 18, as I mentioned. White Sox are now 12 and 24 after, after they were blown out down in Kansas City 12 to 5. Diamondbacks beat the Marlins 5 to 2, and the D backs are now five games over. They're at 20 and 15. And the big news of the night for uh, our Chicago sports fans, the Blackhawks won the NHL draft lottery, and they'll have the number one pick, uh, even though they had the third highest odds to get it, 11.5%. A lot of people are claiming that uh, the league rigged the draft (laughs) online. Uh, And there's a consensus uh, generational talent out there uh, in Connor Bedard, uh, who will be the number one pick, who is a center, and had a historic 143 points in the Western Hockey League this year at just uh, age 17. So uh, Connor Bedard expected to be the number one pick of the Hawks on June 28th. So he should be a freshman in college next year. Uh, not with that money. No. No. Uh, hey, well, if the, if the Hawks drafted him, hey, Joel probably knows this better than me or you. If the Hawks drafted him, he could say, I'm going to go to college for two years, right? The, 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 the Hawks retain rights to him, and he could go play for sure, Harvard. Sure, he could, yeah. Unlike any, all the other sports. 
Right. Baseball, if, if the guy goes to college, he has to go for three years, and you lose rights to him. Right. In football... Uh, football, uh, they have to be three years out of high school, so it never happens. Yeah, they're all, they're all different, which is yeah. really, really bizarre. Joel, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, you guys got the, the number one pick here. Uh, once again, Detroit. No draft luck. Uh, we end up in the same place as at ninth. Um, so, I don't know. Steve Eisenman was supposed to turn us around. Not as quickly as people wanted, but uh, I think for the first time here... I don't know in how many years that uh, we could talk a little baseball. Yeah, well, Cubs you look see like my, you see my Motor City Kitties. I saw they're doing better. They, they could they could make a run in that division. There's nobody good in there, is there? <laughs> I know they're. Uh, they've won uh, last ten games. They're seven and three. They've won five out of six. They won on the road at Cleveland. Uh, and uh, they're just they're moving up. This Eduardo Rodriguez. I mean, when have you seen a ERA uh, under one? Yeah. Uh, what, once again, a very very weak division. But uh, I would say for the first time, and I don't know how long I've actually like watched the Tigers game last night and had some interest. So uh, a little bit of baseball for you. I couldn't couldn't name you know more than a half a dozen players on the team, but uh, that's it's good to see. Well, Joel, you have to help me out today. I'm looking to uh, looking to talk to you. Um, okay. I have, I'm having calls from clients and the show. What what is going on? What should what should people downs. be doing with the uh, uh, the the budget deficit thing? What's that going to do to people's accounts? What 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 should we do? Should people get out? Should people buy metals? Should people, uh, you know? By, by live cattle, I mean the, the ideas are all over the place. I'm getting, and what, what and I can't really recall the last time we had a real government shutdown. What the market did, you? It tanks. It uh, it it tanks. Uh, you know what? I mean, you, I would say you know you try try and look at it at other factors too, right? I mean, if you're if you're worried about the markets, there's a lot of other things to worry about than just the debt, uh, the debt ceiling. So if you if you're that worried about the markets, you can get five percent T bills. Um, I think the way our government's going and the dysfunctionality that we've had, I think that it, it could be extended. And I think that there's going to be your your knee jerk reaction down in the market, and then. Depending on how long it goes, there'll be some negotiations, and then, you know, when they they resolve the problem, it will pop back up. I just don't have the exact timetable of you know when. I, I don't think they're going to come to an impasse. I don't think that uh, you know that there, there's just no way with the the you know the split that we have in our our government that um, you know there's just too much angst. There's too much in it in the Republicans, Democrats. They're both. They just don't want to agree with each other, and I think it's going to stand. I think that uh, I think there will be a default. I think you'll see a knee-jerk reaction down in the market. I mean, this is not a new thing, Chief. This no. has happened several times before in the past. So, uh, but then again, the congressional leaders, man, they want their paychecks, right? They want to get paid. They want money going out to the constituents. So. Just it's how long of an impasse it will be, but I think there's other factors um, in the market here. You got some uh, inflation data uh, coming out. 
Uh, you had, um, you know, last week the GDP number wasn't that good. You've had people banging on the door uh, for recession for a long time. So I think if you, you know, if you want to be nervous about the market, there's a lot of other things to be nervous about than besides the debt ceiling. And if you're that nervous, you lose sleep by the night, then, you know, park some money in T-bills and see what happens. From a technical standpoint, I'm very comfortable with talking to people about, and this is just the S&Ps, and I know the S&Ps are six stocks only, and they go up or down, but you need those engines to move, right? And Apple was the last one. They came out with some girdings. We're just at a really important point technically in the market. I won't drill it down, uh, make it too complicated, and I'll just go basis the S&P 500. Should I go to the cash? Uh, no, I'll go the futures because that's what I'm more comfortable with. There's a wall at 4,200. We're at 4,135. And I just feel that there's a lot of selling going on between 4,150 and 4,200. If somehow, under the current circuit, maybe we get some good inflation data, then yeah, we pop over 4,200 and, and build the base above 4,200. I will feel very comfortable about this market, and I could take on a super bullish tone. But until that happens, we are at a point where if you thought you should have lightened up last August, and you thought you should have lightened up in December, and you thought you should have lightened up in February, well, you're here right now. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. I hope it's not wasn't too long. To well, how does, when, when you do the technical stuff, Joe, how do you how do you account? I mean, I know. Um, you know, if the people that I knew that were pretty good technically, they would say, you know, it's all on the charts. So don't try and dig into it. But how do you how do you account for? There was a guy on CNBC. How do they let him on? I don't know. But he was talking about the six or seven stocks that are leading the leading yep. the pack. And if and if you took those six or seven stocks out, virtually the rest of the market is either unchanged or down in a year. Yep. But now, but he's he's ticking those higher. It's it's not it's not like they're hanging in there. They're advancing. I mean, he's looking yes. at the, the Nvidia's and the Apples of the world, and the, and the Facebooks or whatever it is now. These t- these things are going through. Apple's going, you know, seventeen p, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. But it's at some point, where, where are we in Nvidia now? One sixty. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, at some point, the the leaders get ridiculously expensive, and then I don't know. Then I don't know what you do. I mean, it, I mean, unless you hope that the other guys turn around and catch up, which is I guess where where you're yeah, coming from. Tough. Right. Uh, so, but I, I don't. I get. I just get this feeling, considering this McCarthy dangling by a noose there with with the with the new rules. I wonder if this isn't going to go worse, Joel. I mean, I really. I, yeah. I, oh, oh, oh. Well, uh, you you mixed a couple things in there, but uh, alluding to the first thing, uh, you know, Chief uh, Tech uh, Mega Cap Tech is your safety trade. That's your safety trade, because if it, you know, because they got a lot of cash, right? And so they're not so dependent on interest rates. So they can, you know, they function. They have some pricing power. So, you know, if interest rates continue to go up, they're good stocks. On the other hand, if interest rates go down, which I am not predicting, then that's good for them too. So they're they're, they're your safety trade. Believe it or not, Apple, Microsoft, and not, not so much Google, but that's your safety trade. And if you want to pay... Those valuations for safety trade, then go right ahead. Well, that's the truth. Joel, take care of yourself, buddy. Um, go blue. Uh, go, the uh, looks like go to Tigers too. Kenny, how are you, bud? 
I'm good. How are you? All right. What uh, we just heard the last we're talking about the uh, uh, Washington stuff. Uh, where, where do you put that? When I mean, this that every question I get now is regarding that. It seems about the debt ceiling. Yeah. yeah well, how do we so how do we well, how do we trade it? What should we do? Well, so listen, I think the debt ceiling is going to create lots of noise and anxiety. They're going to use very dramatic words. Yesterday, Janet Yellen said, it's going to be a catastrophe. I mean, come on, stop with the histrionics already. We all know they're raising the debt ceiling. It's just a matter of both sides getting a little bit what they need. Kevin McCarthy has to look like he got something. He cannot pass a clean debt ceiling. Otherwise, they're going to throw him out. And on the other side... Junto's going to look like, you know, he didn't negotiate and that anything he gives up, he can say, well, that wasn't really, that wasn't really part of it. That was something separate. So everyone needs to save face and now they just have to figure out how to do it. I think, though, that the noise it creates will put pressure on the broader market for the long-term investor. I look at that as an opportunity, kind of licking my lips uh, as an opportunity. What the, what is it about my South Side background? It, I don't want the National Park shut down where nobody can go use them for eight weeks and then we come out of it. All the guys that work there that didn't that didn't show up get their eight weeks payback. Right, right. Well, okay. Listen, I will say if they shut the government down because they're because the, the you know the clowns in D.C. can't get it together, you can't blame the guy who was furloughed. It's not his fault. He wants to come to work. So in that case, I say, look, the government owes him because he didn't ask to be let go. He didn't ask to be furloughed. You guys, you know, you clowns can't get it together. So you furloughed me. Why should his family or why should he suffer when he was perfectly willing to go to work? So in that case, I think you have to do the right thing and you got to pay him, right? I well, think you have to. I think if you know you're going to pay him anyway, you make him go to work. <laughs> that well, would be okay. my, that's the uh, south side of me. What can I tell you? Yeah, no, but, but listen, and that makes perfect sense. So why they don't is beyond me. Uh, I'm not really sure what it means if, if they're going to pay him anyway and they furlough him. They're still they're still racking up the cost of having to pay the guy. So I would agree with you. Why don't they just leave the the the, uh, the parks open? But it's all about the perception, right? They want to yeah. show, oh, look, we had to close the parks and we had to we had to stop making payments on whatever. They'll create. It's part of the drama that they want to create, right? Well, what but do you yes, make? I agree with you. If what you're do you pay them They should make them go to work. What difference does it make? What do you make, Kenny? You probably want to listen earlier. What do you make of the uh, the argument that, that Carl brings in? Uh, that when the, the Congressional Budget Office goes through their calculations, they're forced by law to, if a, if a law has a sunset clause like five years from now, they're yeah. forced by law to, to take that into account in their calculations. So then the thing gets extended. They always get extended. I mean, some probably don't, but most do. So because at the end of the day, it sounds like, you know, wh- why are you guys bitching about the uh, the debt those are the things you voted for. Yeah, his, correct. His point is the number is actually a lot higher than they voted for. Uh, I agree. So and that's the that's I mean, the to the point. That's why it's not that. I mean, I try and take both sides of this. It's not that much of a of a reach on the part of the Republicans here. I'm sounding like I'm Republican, but I'm not. Uh, to say, look, this is too high. Something's got to give, even though we voted for all the stuff it supposedly adds up to. The fact is, it's higher than we voted for. That that's correct, but it is higher than they voted for, and, and so trying to pull some of it back is the right thing to do. But the problem is, you know, naturally, it's higher than we voted for. On the one side, on the left, they know it's higher than we voted for. They don't want to take it back, right? They want to keep growing it and growing it and growing it. So this then becomes the issue, right? Everyone's got everyone's to stand up and say, okay, we know this isn't really what we've been telling you, but 
we don't really want to change it because if we do, then that then that then that suggests that you know we don't know what we're doing. But on the other hand, they have to change it because it's just out of control. It's completely out of control. Well, we should. I mean, there's no question that people should. If you had, if if somebody of Solomon came down and was made dictator, first thing he'd do is he'd blow he'd blow up the the Trump tax cuts, and he'd blow right. up, he'd blow up probably the last two bills that Biden signed. Yeah, at least the last two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm talking about the big ones. Yeah, right. Yes, the big ones. I mean, both all all three of those got to go. If you, if you, if you actually care about anything being normal. I mean, I, I was looking here, I shouldn't do this, but one of the my earlier guests got me, I, I kicked up the national debt clock, and I yeah. put my little stopwatch on, it's like it's like three minutes for a million dollars. It's unbelievable. Taxes, isn't it? Yeah, you don't ever look at that. If you, wanna, if you don't want to spit up your coffee in the morning, it's like, I mean, it's unreal. Well, they don't want you to look at it, right? They yeah. Really, and if you look at it, they just poo-poo it away, and, you know, nothing to see here. But yeah, it's nuts. And they get that, you know, it's funny because down in Manhattan, down on Water Street by the financial district, there's a building there that's got this big national debt clock on the side of the building. It just keeps running and running and running when you get down there and you see it, you know? It's the same one you go online here, usnationaldebtclock.org. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's true. But when you're standing out in the streets of Manhattan and you look up on the side of the building, you just see it ticking, you know, just it just continues to tick higher and higher and higher. As you're standing there in the street, walking around the streets of Manhattan, it becomes very, very obvious, right? I mean, how many people are going online to go look at it? Not many, but if you're standing, you know, if you're touring in Manhattan or you're walking around or you're doing whatever, you look up at the building, it just reminds you that it's, uh, that it's there. Well, Kenny, there's so much on this page that you don't even really want to look at. It's, it's, it's so scary. When you start looking at uh, things like, here's a uh, median income now thirty six thousand this per per yeah. person. I think it's probably a little light. Uh, median income two thousand thirty two thousand. Median home now four forty nine. Median home two thousand one sixty three. And you yeah. know when these when these bumps come out with this CPI number tomorrow, why would you ever believe it? Well, uh, you know you're right. You're right. It gets difficult to believe, but you have to start to. You, you need something to at least guide you, right? I think the number's going to be, and I think you and I talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. I think the month over month number is going to be higher. In fact, the estimation is that it's going to be higher, and I think that takes into the account, you know, the rise in oil prices over the month that it last month did not take right. into account. But the year over year number is going to stay sticky at five percent. It's not going to go up. It's not going to go down. And all that means it's it's more sticky. Now, if you take out food and energy, oh, it's, look, it went down. Okay, that's great, but you need food and energy. So food and energy is what is what affects you and I every day. One so why one, look at the number? That's the number you have to that's the number you have to watch on. And that number is expected to remain sticky and elevated. And guess what? You know it, and I know it because we go to the supermarket, we go to get gas, we pay the bills, we pay the electric bill. So we know it's sticky. I don't need the government to tell me it's sticky. What are um, they? When are, when are they going to somehow come to grips with the the housing number, which they've absolutely been cheating on now for three years? When, some some day that has to filter its way through. When, when's that going to happen, or is it not going to happen ever? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to happen ever. I mean, if they're going to stick with the last three year rent is up seven percent when everybody knows it's up fifty. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. They don't, you know, when the narrative changes and works in their favor, that's when they'll change the definition. But right now it doesn't, so therefore they're not going to change anything about it, right? They'll leave it the way it is because that's the better number. If they if they if they updated it to reflect what it really is, it works against them. By the way, were your ears burning on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning? 
<laughs> Why? Why? What were you doing? Uh, you get a load of this. This is the stuff that people do for their girlfriends. We had to go to the landscapers to buy mulch, right? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, this, if, this somehow love affair with, with the ladies and mulch, I don't get. But oh, you see all these guys doing like me hauling mulch for the girlfriend, right? So we get there, and I see some guy with this absolutely gorgeous pickup truck. He must have just bought it. It's got to be 100 grand. You know, it's, it's to, the, to the, yeah. the club cab, to the nines. And uh, I see all these palm trees. And I go, Audrey, what's, yeah. with, what's with the palm trees? She goes, that's, that's the new thing. If you're, if you're in, you put palm tree trees around your pool. And, right. Uh, and I go, well, wait a minute. Kenny might do that in Florida, but don't yeah. they die here? She goes, yeah, they die at the end of the summer. And I go, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. How much do they cost? They're like 800 bucks. Yeah. So, so this guy's low. Lo- yeah, you have them for three months and then they die. So what do you need? Five or six of them put around your pool, depending on the the mood you're trying to create. This guy so was trying to jam like thousand dollars. Plus the things are huge. I mean, the, the, the things are huge. So you got. I don't know who the hell you right. get to plant them. This guy's like plunking eight of these things, as many as he can fit into the back of his monster pickup. So right. he's got like, well, if he's got eight of them, what is that? Six grand. Worth of, worth of palm yeah, trees. Yeah. He's going to put yeah. around his pool, and at the end of the summer, they're going to dig him up. And I'm thinking, this is where the PPP money must have gone. Put him in his house and save him. He can't do that. So oh, God, no. Do? no. They so just die. So, again, so what does that tell you about the state of the consumer? If the guy's willing to pay six grand for those trees and not care about it, at the end of the summer, he's going to throw them away. He apparently is not feeling the, the pinch yet, right? Well, the first thing that popped into my mind is here's. Here's a guy that got a boatload of PPP money and never missed a never missed a exactly. check. <laughs> exactly. So he's buying up. So thank you, the government, for putting palm trees around my pool. I bet the dude owns a uh, like a waste management business that never missed a day picking up garbage and still got like three million dollar check or something. <laughs> yeah. Because hey, I mean, listen, you and I have to talk about coming to New York. You know, when I go to New York the next time, if we want to arrange that date where you bring clients or customers or friends, whoever it is you want to bring. To the floor of the exchange, I'd, I'd love to do that with you. Yeah, that would be that would be spectacular. What uh, what, what exactly? I mean, I know you you, you love the place. The Seabo, I can't love it anymore because the building shut down. Uh, but w- when you go to the New York floor, what exactly stuff? Still, the opening and closes well, are still there, right? Yeah, but listen, yes, and 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 when you, when I think of the New York Stock Exchange, I think of it as you know, it's so much a part of who we are as an American. When you look at the building and you look at what goes on there, and what it represents, right? Capitalism, freedom, and entrepreneurship, um, and wealth, and generational wealth. There's just so much that's that's woven into the fabric of the nation, and I think it is an. I think it's a national treasure, right? I think the, I think that not only not only. Capitalism and the and the and the and the New York Stock Exchange is a national treasure, but I think it's something that people need to see. And the sad part about it is you can't see it anymore. Post nine eleven, it's all you can go to the museum. You walk in and that's it. You walk around. You can't see the New York Stock Exchange anymore. And I think that's a national tragedy, which is why I like. I always like to bring people there because I talk about the history. I talk about its story. I talk about you know what goes on there. Why it's so important. For Americans to understand the role that it plays. Now, listen, I get it. People tell me, ah, you know, we don't need it anymore. Everything's happened electronically. They're right, but the New York Stock Exchange is a very 21st century electronic exchange. It just happens to have a physical presence that is, by the way, spectacular. The building and the inside is nothing like it in the country, which is why I, I always get excited. It was funny. The last time I was there, brought a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, graduate students from uh, St. Lawrence University. And they walked on the floor, and you know their eyes get oh, big. Oh yeah, yeah. 
can't believe I'm standing here. And that's the reaction that everybody gets that you bring that it's just something about it that 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 you know that creates this this pride of being an American. What do you think would happen, Kenny, if if people could do this in this today's world, if you could get a New York Times or Washington Post column and you and I would trade off it would take us probably five or six columns. If we actually wrote down and explained how the market works today with all this crap about electronics and speed and everything right. else, and the, the, how dirty it is, right? Do you think right. if people were educated to that, that we would we would change back to something that makes more sense? No, I'm going to change back because look, I, that's exactly what I do when I go there and I talk about the history. I talk about what was and what is and how we went from one to the other and why we went from one to the other and the events along the way. I mean, I have a whole. You know, I've got 40 years in my head that I can talk and talk and talk about it. But no, is it ever going to go back? No, it can't go back. I don't. I don't mean. Back. I don't mean go back to runners and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the idea that uh, the payment for order flow and the fact that people can trade within the markets, which they oh. used to. I'm talking about the dirty stuff. I'm not oh, talking yeah, about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, the payment for order flow that's actually coming under. Uh, I mean, isn't Gensler? Is not one of the things that Gensler's trying to do away with? And there's some pushback on that naturally by the big wholesales, right? They don't want to push Citadels. Uh, Citadel, guys like Citadel and stuff don't want to see that happen. Uh, but there is some pushback on that. I actually might see, uh, think we might see some modification to that, right? Because yes, that is part of the. That is kind of the dirty little secret that most of America doesn't even understand, right? Well, you you can, think trading. You can stop. Think, oh, you can stop most of it by saying you can't trade within the penny. Correct. Correct. But you know, I guess, I guess, I guess you can't trade within the penny, which means you have to get rid of all the alternative venues that trade sub pennies. Right. On the ex- you won't well, let them go. Get rid of them. That's right, but but they're all owned by the big banks, Goldman and J.P. Morgan, and you know, and Merrill Lynch and uh, Bank of America. You don't think those guys? You don't think they're going to just let that go so easy? That's a gold mine for them. Well, okay, but it it, I, it was you know so was so was running rum too for the gangsters. Well, I mean, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> here you, uh, you and I can have a whole conversation. Well, you know, but this. it's it's funny, Kenny. Gotta be real quick. We're gonna run over here for a second, if you don't mind. I, Audrey spent a long time selling this house to. This uh, group, uh, Greek American, shall we say, of nice people, but it was it took her six months anyway. But guy ended up in this gorgeous home, nice family, uh, real nice people. So I, we get invited to the housewarming, right? So off we go. I didn't know anybody there, so somehow the the guy's dad finds out that I'm you know in the business, trade on the floor. All of a sudden, the guy's attached to me at the hip. The guy trades all the time, right? Yeah. So it, and he's talking about he he goes through like Robin Hood or somebody. And he goes, yeah. it's great because my, my, all my commissions are free. And I said, well, you know, right. careful with the free part. Uh, right. You know, because they're not really free because they're paying the person on the other end to sell your order. What do you right. mean? But, you know, what do you mean? But, I, I had no idea what I was talking about. Most of America doesn't understand that. All they say is, oh, I can do it for free. It's not free. Well, but, you know, but but you know this, this is a very hardworking family. And, uh, and I, I just said to him, I wasn't going to go through all the details. They didn't have a black bar, bar because he was having a few cocktails. And a nicest guy. And it, I said, well, let me ask you this. You've been in business a long time. I said, the person, who, 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 who is your customer? And he goes, he goes, well, I'm the customer. I said, you don't pay the guy. Other right. people do. And right. he looked at me and he goes, well, now that, you, now, that you, now that you put it that way, I guess I'm not the customer. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> it, right. it, he's the he, product. Yeah, he, he's he, not, he, yeah I he's said, that's what he, they're selling. They're selling him. Yeah, he, as soon as I explained it that way, the, the, like a light went off in his head. He goes, wait a minute. 
you got me there. He goes, if, if the other guy's paying him, he's, he's working for him, not me. I, ding. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, Kenny, have a nice weekend, buddy. Uh, SP Futures down 16. NASDAQ is down 67. He's ahead of the CPI numbers tomorrow. I'll be right back with the professor. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Well, I'm Jackson. I'm Tom. We're over on the board. SV Futures down 16. NASA Futures down 67. Manny, why don't you see if we can find out if that new draft pick's got an agent? Give him over to Lou. We'll manage his money for him. I'm sure he has an agent, but. Well, I'm sure he does. The uh, I think Not not one that could do any uh, better than Lou, though. No, I'm sure not. Well, Lou be too. Well, I'm going to say hacky guys are pretty straight. You think he, so? I suppose he's got a, a great family and the whole bit. Boy, just the idea at 17. Wow. That's really something. I mean, uh, Hal, how are you? I'm doing well. Semester's over. I finally got some rest. Well, good for you. <laughs> the, uh, how did it, now, you you uh, actually had a class, and was it, are you still at three different places, or are you down to two? Well, uh, I was at three last fall because um, – I kind of left Westminster high and dry. I got this offer in New York. My wife was not happy in Utah. And uh, I came across this offer from a, a friend of mine sharing it with me. And um, I had to give my notice to Westminster a week before the semester started. And I told him, I'll do anything I'll, you know, to help you out. I know it's tough to find people this late. And uh, so I taught two classes, two of my four classes for them last fall. And if they want me to teach in the future, I will. Because, you know, I love Westminster. I love living in Utah. I'm adjusting to living in New York. But I, I love my uni- my new university. And uh, so, yeah, I normally teach, like, one class for a school in Boston um, remotely. But, um, like, a lot of schools are having trouble with enrollment. A lot of liberal arts colleges are having trouble with enrollment. And uh, they didn't have demand or the class that I would have taught. So right now it's just my permanent university. So. Okay, so... Uh, but yeah, I, st- I still taught four classes. I'm trying to get the vision here of, did you actually drive up the street in Brooklyn to your new home in the motorhome, like, sort of like a Jed Clampett thing, or what? <laughs> well, the van was filled up. Uh, our red van was filled up like Jed Clampett's uh, truck was. Um, but we, I have the motorhome parked 
in Virginia, um, about 60 miles south of D.C., I bought a 60-foot by 40-foot uh, piece of land in an RV resort that has the gun range, uh, kind of a nine-hole golf course that is kind of a, a strategic driving range. Because, you know, it's got those greens where you hit the green, you automatically score it as a two-putt. And then uh, it's got two swimming pools. I think it's got high diving boards with, like, 10-foot uh, uh, pools. Wow. And then it's got a kids' rec center. It's got an adult rec center. The kids' rec center has, like, these old arcade games, pool tables, ping-pong tables. There's hiking. There's biking. I bought that land for $1,500, and I had the motorhome parked on it, and we're going to use it for kind of like a summer vacation home. I'm going to say... Matty, you probably won't. I'm going to say that that pool has to be a minimum of 30 years old to have a to have a high dive that grandfather. I think it is. I think it is. It, we haven't been in it yet because I bought the land and I moved the motorhome onto it two summers ago, um, and we never really got a chance to go swimming in it because we were kind of we were we were moving the motorhome onto it from a, a, a storage lot. Uh, a rental storage lot, and then we headed to Orlando, Florida, to go to Disney World, and then back up. So we didn't have time to go swimming in it. But I think it's probably at least thirty years old. But man, it's a it's a really cool facility. There's, I, I can't wait to take the kids out there and have them build, put up a tent, and create a little uh, uh, campfire, and roast some, go fishing. They got fish. They got like several lakes. I want to take them fishing, catch some fish. Grill it on the open flames can be a lot of fun. Well, taking somebody fishing and catching fish can be two separate things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well, in uh, Doc Hollywood, all you need is dynamite, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not big on fishing, but if I went, I don't really care if we catch anything because I don't really want to clean them. It's just, uh, yeah. Well, I think this lake is probably stocked, so they probably replenish it every spring. Uh, it's interesting because we used to, I don't know why I get any subjects, but we used to go to... Uh, spring training every year in the early 80s actually all the way through to probably 90 and uh, and then I had a bunch of clients out there so we were in the CBOE did a lot of, anyway I was going to seemingly Phoenix two three times a year staying at a lot of different places and uh, if you go to the old places like the Marriott Mountain Shadows which was bought years ago and was my favorite little spot because every, every, every room was like a separate building which is kind of cool but they had this pool if ever you saw a pool that was like 10 feet if you ever close the place or something any any new pool I think can only be six feet at the deep end and so there's no way you could have a diving board with a six foot so if you saw a place that had a ten foot pool they, that pool had not been taken out of there in like 20 years this was in the 80s because they, they didn't want anybody with ten foot pools anymore but yeah. if you had one yeah. you could keep it but I don't I don't think you can you can put in a ten foot pool unless you're like a high dive high school or something. I yeah. I don't. I don't think any kind of motel or hotel is putting in a ten foot pool anymore. Well, there's uh, there are, there are Salt Lake City. One thing great about it, it has these neighborhood rec centers and aquatic centers, and they have an outdoor pool that has a diving board, and it's at least ten feet deep. Well, I bet if you put one up now. You got to close that off unless you have a lifeguard on duty. At the oh yeah, yeah. Least, there, there's a there's a there's a um, there's there's lifeguards on that pool, and they have it roped off with the uh, buoys. Yeah, it's a. I was never big on a ten foot diving board anyway. Yeah. Oh man, uh, Lava Hot Springs. If you ever get out to Idaho, you have to go to Lava Hot Springs. One, they have these really uh, awesome hot pools that are naturally heated, 
Um, the water is naturally heated. It doesn't smell like rotten eggs like a lot of hot ghouls do. It smells like it's really hard to describe, but I, I kind of describe it as liquid granite. I mean, it just has a kind of a rocky mineral smell to it, and it's kind of a sweet smell. And it's they have different levels, like 120 to 110 and whatnot. And then on the uh, pool side, they have, at least the last time I was there, they have like these high dives. And I think they also have uh, um, slides now. But man, when I was a kid, we were jumping off the 15-foot dive diving board when I was like eight years old. Crazy. It was awesome. So much fun. There was a guy in, uh, before I get your, your take on what's going on with the market and the Congress, uh, there was a guy, I don't know how, how long he, he's been there, but hell, I, first I went to Steamboat was in the 70s. There's a place, it's probably 20 miles up in the mountain, and you actually have, you know, you need a four-wheel driver to get up there. Uh, some days you probably don't, but most of the time you do. And uh, it's called the Strawberry Parks Hot Springs. And the guy noticed that there's this cold, I mean super cold running creek running right by here. And, and up, up on the mountain about 50 yards is, a, is a, a spewing hot spring right out of the rock, just coming down like it's a shower. So the guy builds, uh, essentially puts a, a spot there for the hot water to gather, dams up a little bit of the creek. So he's got like three different temperature, really big natural sand rock bottom hot tubs for lack of a better term and the water just keeps circulating so I mean it's you know once it goes over the top it's all clean I mean it probably regenerates I'm going to say four times a day at least uh, yeah and uh, you go sit there and it's it is about as nice as it gets I mean you can go from the the, the real cold pool and the real hot pool eh, you know but the, the, the two in the middle you can go from one to the other one's like pretty hot the other one's not as hot but the real hot one or the real cold one, you got to have some, some stones to do that. But uh, Well, now now the EPA is going to shut it down now that you mentioned it on the radio. Well, probably. But uh, <laughs> no, but it's been there. He's had this the lease, you know, for, and, you know, the last time I was there was quite a few years ago, and it was, it was 10, 15 bucks a head then. Wow. <laughs> I mean, does he own the, he owns the property? He must be, oh, it's up, he's got to lease the, it's got to be National Forest. Yeah. He yeah. must lease it. But the weird part is, our buddy who's come out of air, Tom Shanahan, uh, it's it's uh, shall we say it's bathing suits optional after dark. Yeah. So, well, my, my brother Ryan, uh, for his Eagle Scout Eagle Scout project in Bruno, Idaho, down by the Bruno Sand Dunes. If you've never been there, you got to go there. These sand dunes are the tallest um, from base to peak in North America. They're just massive sand dunes. Well, in that area, about I think probably fifteen twenty miles southwest is a thing called Indian bathtubs and they're hot pools and the first time my mom took us out there I asked her why there's underwear on the ground <laughs> God but and, and I didn't know I was like probably eight and my mom I think she probably told me something like I don't know something mommy right yeah my brother Ryan decided to my mom said let's build some signs that will be directional to the Indian bathtub so everybody because you know my mom's doing a kind of a churchy thing, right? Oh, yeah. She wants to church up to place. So she's putting up these signs so everybody can use it. Well, guess what? About, I think, a week or two weeks into it, all those signs were taken down. God. <laughs> well, Shani was pretty impressed because I guess some 25 girls showed up from some university, and I guess the uh, nobody had a top. <laughs> he was oh. Like, <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, this was pretty impressive. Anyway, we'll segue to page two, and uh, we got all this stuff happening i'm counseling people by the day uh we've got the thing going on in congress we've got 
I've I've had gold as kind of a safe haven. And to be perfectly blunt, I was two years too early, but now last year we've done very well in the gold. Uh, I don't know that I consider it a safe haven at two thousand and fifty bucks. I'm kind of running out of safe havens. You know, we've got to, we're putting we're going to the auction with people every week. A lot of this is new money because they're coming in from banks. We're going to the auction every week. Uh, people are getting five five point one for six months, which isn't bad just to park money for a while. And uh, the market is narrower and narrower with the five six stocks carrying the load. Now, you can be of a mind like Joel that the rest of the market's going to catch up, and I kind of hope that that's what happens. But I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here. My safe havens are a little little pricey. I don't know what to do. Well, if you look at uh, like Kaeschler Twenty City Composite Index, it looks like it uh, peaked sharply, and I thought it was going to come straight down. But I think what's happening now is it's, it's bottomed out a little bit, and it's headed back up. I think uh, the Fed is getting ready to reinflate because I, I think if they keep tightening to solve this inflation issue, they're going to have a recession, and I don't think they want that in 2024. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to have a reinflation. I think what, we're headed back you, up. What do you tell your people? I mean, you're we we agree a little bit on a lot of the mon- or the uh, economic stuff, but I'm such a die in the wool monetarist. But I think if if somebody like you was given the assignment of giving me give me a fair appraisal on where exactly we are, you know, over the last ten years, maybe since two thousand and eight, GDP wise, vis a vis inflation, vis a vis what the number really is, the net number, I'm gonna say that eighty to eighty five percent of the population has been in a recession for fourteen years. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think uh, for that group of people Definitely, because if you look at, um, I tweeted at a Charles Payne last week. He had Ed Yardini on a show, and Ed Yardini said that people have deposits, and deposits are still a couple trillion dollars above trend uh, pre-pandemic. And I was like, well, sure, that's true. And the first chart I came across on the internet on my phone during the commercial break was the deposits demand deposits of the top 1%. And if you look at that chart, um, quantitative easing, it's obvious quantitative easing went to that top 1%. Majority of those benefits accrued to the people in the top. And you you see their demand deposits fluctuating a lot uh, from the commencement of QE through the pandemic at about a level that's four times what it was pre-quantitative easing. How, how, how and is, then during the pandemic, it went straight up and it, it increased by probably a factor of 10. All right, stupid maybe, question. How, how are you, since uh, Joe Biden issued the rule, uh, no more M1, how the hell are you getting demand deposits? Well, uh, you can get demand deposits on the Federal Reserve. What, monthly yeah. now, not weekly? Well, you can't get you can't get M1. M1 and M2 are basically the same thing. Right. But yeah, you, you can get demand deposits on Federal Reserve Economic Database. Okay, so you can still get, but you can't you yeah. can't get M one. You you can get the components right. Well, M one has been redefined, with the exception of one component that essentially makes it M two, and they did that during the pandemic about March. Yeah, so M one does it still exist. It's just the difference between M one and M two is very tiny because there's I think it's like one component now separates the two. But if you if you if you Google it, you can't get it. Well, I mean. But it's essentially the same thing as M two. Right, right. They, they yeah. put them together, right? But yeah. I mean, all the, what I'm saying, 
there's been a lot of economic, shall we say, uh, shenanigans that keep telling you you're doing better. And yet, when you look at any of the numbers for 20 years, I mean, it's not like the, my, my, my job as a host of the show is not to say all this stuff is in bad shape. What I'm saying is you keep, you keep peeing on somebody's shoes and tell them, tell them it's raining, that someday it's, you know, he's going to realize that it's not raining. I mean, yeah. I mean it's this constant misinformation. I think yeah. is is a big problem now. I mean, for me, it is. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I think when you say the inflation rate is five, when it's eight, God help you if if you and I have an escalation clause in our contract to build ten homes a year for the last twenty years, we're broke. Yeah. I mean, we're broke. Well, I mean, if you if you just look at the type of credit that's being issued, type of loans that are being issued, uh, home equity loans are way down. They look like they bottomed a little bit and they're kind of like stabilized um, at 240 billion dollars but then you look at um, real estate real estate looks to be cresting topping out and maybe headed down what if uh, you were, uh... commercial real estate and then if you look at commercial and industrial lending it peaked out and it's headed down well, but if you, you listen, look at you listen credit to card debt, yeah credit card gets to the moon credit card debt is I thought it was going to kind of slow because people are getting the end of their limits. But I think what these, and I have no idea what's going on within these big credit card companies, but I think what they're probably doing is they're probably lifting people's credit limits and they're willing to lend people. That That's the only place it seems like consumers in the bottom 80 can go to get any kind of credit because uh, home equity, way down. But consumer credit card debt just is essentially kind of going straight up well, I'm surprised on the home equity stuff because uh, Nancy. Well, again, everything you know, you're, you're looking at the national numbers. I'm, everything is is somewhat well local. I mean, Nancy was on a couple of weeks ago. She's our mortgage uh, expert, ex an expert. She's our mortgage expert, and she says because of some so many people have these, you know, three percent mortgages. I'll just say three percent, and, and can't really move. Uh, that in her area, in her area, she's southwest side. Although she can get your mortgage anywhere. Uh, she said, "What's what's happening there is they have the extra, extra baby. <laughs> what's well, awful way to say it? If you're the baby, I got I got my extra baby here. I'll call him Matt. We don't really want him, but he's here. He's extra. <laughs> How awful would that be, man? <laughs> Just think that way. Uh, the uh, what there's is is they're saying we really need another bathroom or another bedroom, but we can't get rid of the three percent mortgage. So there's a lot of she put it she put it in two categories. One is the home equity loan to actually make the place bigger or better, which actually adds to your value to the point yeah. where it's probably not a bad idea. And then there's a the kind where our credit cards are too high, we're paying 25%, we're going to hit the home, and then we're going to start spending the next day again back on the credit card. She goes, that, those are kind of the bad ones. But the good yeah. ones are, look, we, we knew when we moved in here, we needed a, you know, we, we can't move, we now have two kids, we need another bedroom and another bathroom, we got room, let's just, let's just put, get the equity, or we need a garage, let's put it up. Those are you see a lot of that happening because nobody wants to go from a three percent to a six percent mortgage. Yeah, well, I think I think what I'm looking at is a national level. Yeah, and there, it bottomed out and it seems to be kind of rising back up and then it kind of crested. That can be caused by regional variations because an average is really misleading. And a great example is my triplets walk into a locker room of an NBA basketball team where the average height is what six six. They yeah. walk in there. And the average of the people in the locker room falls, but that doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean that the basketball team is shorter. But right. 
averages suggest they are. And so that's what you have to keep. Averages, you have to, you, you have to uh, use them with a grain of salt. Well, the uh, I was cleaning here. We put in the windows. Well, we didn't. The building put in the windows in our office. So clean up a little bit. I don't know where I, where I left it, but it's, it's here somewhere. I didn't throw it out. There was a really interesting uh, study of uh, growth in the various, uh, you know, I'll be close on the eras, but one of the eras was like 1950 to 1980-something. And uh, then it was like 1980-something to today. And uh, from 1950 to 1980-something, they had they, they divided the, uh, the, the population into 20, 20% groups. And virtually every group moved up at like the exact same amount in terms of uh, wealth and uh, economic prosperity in the first like 20-some years or 30 years. In the next 30 years, it was almost all in the, in the top 20%. But the interesting part of that was there was a footnote that said, even this is wrong. If you take the top 20%, the top 10% of the top 20% got like 90% of that dough. Which is, so what you're talking about, it's not even just the top 20% or the top 10, it's the top one of the top 20. It's, yeah. it's really yeah. narrow. And it's really narrow. Well, that, that's Austrian business cycle theory. That's Austrian theory of money. When the Fed creates this money, it goes into a very small number of people small number of hands and so when they when they print this helicopter money they dump it into the economy sure maybe some of us get a little bit but the that the lion's share goes to very few people and they have the opportunity to use that new money to buy assets that haven't appreciated yet and by the time that money uh goes through these exchanges uh and gets to us the prices have lifted and that's what causes this huge gap which is growing. It grew under the Obama administration. It probably grew under the Trump administration. It looks like it's really growing. Oh yeah. Uh, during the well, and then the rest of the era, people just exploding. Rest of the people are dumb enough to think that because Trump and then Biden sent them a two thousand dollar check the first time they ever got yeah. a check for the government, they, they're whole. But they're not whole. They're not. No, they're they're upside down on that transaction. What's up? The prices they're paying is, are a lot more than that. I don't know if I've, if I've asked you this before. South side term. Uh, Carl mentions that he doesn't know, I mean, he doesn't have the ability to go back historically, but it's not his livelihood so much as it is yours. He can't think of any other time, uh, maybe maybe early on in, this, in, this, in the late, well, early 70s, 68 on after the Bretton Woods thing when the inflation really started, uh, said the ability of some people to be able to borrow money at less than the inflation rate over a long period of time, has caused such a dramatic split in wealth, like like no like the world has never seen, other yeah. than maybe somebody discovering gold or something. I, you know, what, I don't see how I could possibly dispute that, but I can't prove it either. Yeah, I mean, it, point- I, mean it, I think it's I think it's that right there, being able to buy things. You know, having cash dumped in your lap to buy an asset that appreciates ten percent is great. Because you know, badass is going to go up ten percent. You sell it, you sure you got to pay the capital gains, right? Yeah. But when you can leverage it, I mean, a billionaire is not going to buy commercial real estate with cash and then sell it a year later for a ten percent appreciation. No, they're going to leverage that purchase with maybe one percent down. They're going to put one percent cash in that transaction, and if that thing goes up, you know, five percent, they can get a five hundred percent return if they sell it in a year. Right. Um, Right. Well, example, so, example, one of the examples he uses is if uh, 
major league teams, which of course is such a ridiculous monopoly. And I won't yeah. get started there, but but he says if you, it's it's not like somebody paying, you know, five billion dollars for a, for a Washington. They're not. No, no, they're not. No, I'm saying if somebody did, and, yeah. and you had even if you had an implied cost, say your interest rate was even five percent, nobody thinks that that team is going to make. If you got to write a two hundred fifty million dollar interest check to start the year, nobody thinks that you are break even on this thing. There's no way on earth yeah. that that team is making $250 million just to pay the interest. I mean, it's, it, it, they're doing hey, well, but they're not doing did that you, well. Did you, did you see the HBO Lakers uh, comedy series where um, the owner takes over the team? He was actually doing that. Oh, God. <laughs> it seemed like he was doing that in the 80s to take that team, right? Jerry Buss? Oh, yeah. Jerry Buss. He was doing that back then, but they're not doing that now. Right. They're not doing that today. Uh, I could tell an interesting story about can you scrub things from the internet? It would be the question. But uh, the daughter, let me finish this thought first. I'll, if, I'll decide where I should talk about this one after the break. But the his point is, but if you can borrow money, or or same thing, if you have the money and you, you can't get anything for it in the bank, it's, you have, you essentially have no opportunity cost. Yeah. So if if you can actually put five billion dollars down and the, the, actually I think they're going for like six aren't they maybe they're the Washington uh, what the hell are they the, not the Redskins or the Commodores or something Commanders Commanders, Commanders. Um, your expectation is if this holds for another five or six years you'll be able to sell that for ten even though any kind of implied cost at all any sort of real loan any kind of re- real interest rate the thing has been a, a stone cold loser because you're paying out you know, two fifty, three hundred million in interest a year. The fact is, you don't have to, so you're willing to take the shot on just the appreciation because the appreciation is going up faster than the interest rate. He goes, "Oh yeah," because that should never happen. It should the never. The bank happen. is, the bank is paying him interest, yeah, yeah. to buy that team, right, in real terms. And it, it, that, he goes, "This is this is so screwed up. You, see, you yeah. can't let that happen." Well, yeah. that, that's why I think you see that uh, the demand deposits. In the top one percent, the quantitative easing quadrupled it, roughly, and then uh, the pandemic and all that M two that was pumped into the system. It looks like a Saturn rocket. Seriously, yeah. it just goes straight up, and it's not. It look, does not look like it's coming down. Uh, well, and well, that's how screwed up our system. Well, there, is. And that's why it's so hard to figure out what's going on. There is a recession. For the bottom eighty percent, I agree with you on that. But the top twenty percent, the people on the TV reading the the news programs, the the government workers in D.C., the president, they'll think everything's great. Well, yeah. in their life, everything is great. Well, go find the most expensive restaurant. They're they're packed. SP yeah. futures down thirteen. Nasdaq futures down sixty two. Hey, hell, on break. Uh, think about you know, is uh, whether we should go back to demand deposits and time deposits as a way of stopping these bank runs on, on okay. break. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow, Matt Weber on the board. SP Peters down 13, Nasdaq Peters down 63. Here's an interesting headline, uh, Matty, if, if you like stocks. I mean, is Novavax shares rise after company unveils positive vaccine data and a plan to cut 25% of the workforce. <laughs> all, all in the same headline. <laughs> there you go. By the way, good job, gang. You're all fired. Get out of here. <laughs> Dow Peters down 107. Unreal. Over in Europe, uh, pretty much down across the board, but uh, not quite as down as it were a little while ago. DAX only down 56.4%. Putsy down 33.4%. Cac around uh, down 70, which was was over down over 1%. Now it's 0.9. It's still down, but coming back a little bit. Uh, Nikkei up 292. That's, that's a full 1%. Hang Seng down 429. That's a full 2%. And Shanghai down 37. That's a full 1%. So a mixed, mixed bag over there. Uh, yesterday, like I said, the Dow was down 55, S&P was up 1, so not much going on. Uh, bonds, down 2 basis points, 3.50 exactly. Uh, Bund unchanged, 231. Japan, up 1 to uh, 0.43, where it's been now for seemingly weeks. Oil, down 79 cents, 72.37. Rent, down 77 cents, 76.24. Natural gas, up a penny, 2.25. Arbob, down 2 cents, 2.43. Gold, up 540 to 2038, so back somewhat comfortably over 2000. Silver down a penny, 2582. Silver has stalled the last couple of days, even though gold has made its comeback here. Copper down a penny, 391. Uh, Bitcoin up 329 now to 27,759. Remember, this is down like 1200 yesterday. It's making somewhat of a comeback. And the U.S. dollar is actually up today because the uh, euro is back down under 110, 1096. And the uh, British pound is under 126 at 125.93. Betty, we have for us traffic weather sports. 
35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, traffic building uh, steadily on the area expressways, but no accidents to report. Uh, we're seeing long travel times on the inbound Kennedy over an hour now due to that road construction, uh, but that's expected at this point. Uh, also over an hour inbound uh, on the Eisenhower. Stevenson traffic building along with the other Southside expressways, but again, no accidents to report, so normal traffic volumes for a Tuesday morning. We do have a few crashes off the expressways in the western suburbs. In Lombard, Main Street at Roosevelt Road, there is a crash. Uh, just northwest of there in Carroll Stream, uh, Schmel Road at Mission Street, there's an accident. And uh, just north of there, uh, we have a crash at Lake Street at Glenbrook Boulevard. So a few crashes uh, uh, kind of all in the same area on uh, side streets that are not uh, expressways, obviously. Uh, but everything else looking good out there. Weather today, lots of sunshine earlier, early, then some clouds roll in later on. Mild temperatures, below normal, but uh, warmer than the last uh, than yesterday, certainly. Uh, we'll reach a high of 58, warmer inland. Right now it is sunny and 50 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 93 today. Right now it's clear and 70. In sports, Cubs lost to the Cardinals 3-1. Nico Horner left the game with hamstring tightness. Sox were blown out by the Royals 12-5. Diamondbacks beat the Marlins 5-2. And the Blackhawks uh, will have the number one overall pick in June's NHL draft after they won the lottery uh, with the third highest odds. It's a consensus that they'll take 17-year-old Phenom center Connor Bedard uh, out of the Western Hockey League. He is 17 years old. Chief, what's uh, what is the game going with this Patrick Wisdom on the Cubs? The guy is there all, uh, this year since he has some people around him that can hit. All of a sudden, he seems like he's breaking out of it. He's damn near leading the league in home runs, and now they don't play him for two days. And the two days they did play him, he's batting eighth. What, what, are, they, are they trying to move him out or what? Well, he's like uh, last night he had a decent night, but before that he was like two of his last 25. And, uh, uh, you know, he's batting like 230. But he's got a, when he does hit it, he hits it hard and far. So it's just sort of an all-or-nothing guy, whereas the, the top four or five guys are all, you know, hitting really well. And so they're not going to mess that up. I don't know why he's batting eighth. Um, to me, he should be batting, you know, fifth or sixth. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's kind of a, what he's always been, a strikeout or home run guy. Well, the uh, bear with us for a second, Hal. Hal there, there's a guy that Cubs had who was a – I'm going to say a minor star on both the Dodgers and the Cubs. Uh, Ron Say, the, the Penguin, because he, when he ran, he looked like a Penguin. A little powerful. <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. Oh, yeah, well, he, he was the Penguin long before he came to the Cubs. But he was the, the Dodgers always protected him with Reggie Smith, who probably should be in the Hall of Fame. They had behind him in L.A., and they had somebody here in Chicago they batted behind him as well. And if you, if you protected the guy a little bit, where you had to throw him some fastballs, he could he he beat the crap out of the ball. If he was on an island, have you ever betted the dude eighth and just had him nothing but what did the what did the guy say major league crooked balls and all you all you got was crooked balls? And I mean there's there's you have to, this idea that you could you bet all these people and wherever you want and nothing makes any difference. That's just crazy, man. I mean I don't I mean I, they they all buy into it now. They just look at their stats, but they're just, you got to protect somebody. The whole the whole trick is to get somebody more fastballs than they normally would get. I mean, look at Ryan Sandberg's averages when he had a base dealer in front of him leading off. Those were the years he was he was MVP or almost MVP. Yeah. The other years he was just above average. Why? Why is it guys don't see this? I don't. I, I don't know. I guess they're buried in the stats, but just saying. Anyway, enough I, of that. I don't disagree with you. Uh, I think they're this first baseman. Are they going to get rid of these other guys, Mancini and Hosmer, or what? 
Uh, Mancini's on a two-year deal, and he's been okay. I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hosmer was gone uh, at some point. He's uh, kind of a veteran guy that hasn't been very good the last few years. Um, and uh, with the young guys they're bringing up, they brought up Mervis, who's their uh, star first-base prospect. They brought up Morell last night, um, who you know was up with the, for, for a good portion of last season. Uh, who can play you know, second and third and the outfield. And, uh, you know, later on in the year, there's a couple other guys that, that could be in the conversation. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of these kind of stopgap veteran guys that they brought in on one-year deals are, are either cut or traded. Well, anyway, so, Hal, uh, you've had a chance to, to think on it. Is, should we go back to some of these old banking rules? Uh, the current system's not working. If you look at checkable deposits and currency help, held by the top 1%. Before the uh, financial crisis, I mean, we're talking a, f- a few million, right, dollars. Yeah. And then during quantitative easing, it jumps to about 250 million. 250 million. Or, sorry, 250 billion. Yeah. And then today, currently, it looks like it's about 1.3 trillion. So, obviously, right now, this system only works for a small percentage of Americans. So this system's not working, right? The, the introduction of interest on reserves, um, the removal of reserve requirements has messed up monetary policy, in my opinion. Well, and sure is, now, right? And now you have this quantitative easing, you have that operation twist. It's just a Rube Goldberg machine. And I think the way you restore sanity in American banking is you have to you have to you have to get rid of all this moral hazards created, right? Silicon Valley Bank people aren't going to learn any lessons from what Silicon Valley Bank was doing because the, I don't think any of the, the the Federal Reserve person that was on that bank board they're not going to lose their job, no. right? So there, none of those lessons are going to be learned. A, a market, a free market system, would issue punishment to people that, that put a bank in that bad of shape. So this is going to be replicated unless people feel the consequences of their failed decision making. And it's not going to change anything. So I think what we have to do is we have to get rid of all the stuff that creates moral hazard. And we have to go to a system where banks are told look, we're not going to backstop you. If you want to issue a million dollar loan for 30 years so somebody could buy a house. You have to issue 30-year time deposits. And the only way they're going to be able to do that is if they offer depositors a high enough interest rate to uh, trigger them into moving their money from savings, checking accounts, and cash into a 30-year time deposit. And that's the only way I see this working. Now, I'm going to push back here on that. I'm with you 90% of the way. When I looked at the savings and loan situation when I was young, and now I look back on it historically, uh, they used to pay, what, 3%? And the, and the mortgage was 6 Give yeah. or take a half a percent. Those, are, those were legitimate numbers. I mean, it was, like, it was like risk-free interest plus a little bit. And a mortgage was a, was a real price. 6% was yeah. not, not cheap or not expensive. It seemed like kind of equilibrium. And uh, this went on for years and years and years. And yeah. to the point where I'm not so sure you shouldn't be able to expect 3% on a savings or yeah. 35 or something. 
and a mortgage should be sort of six. It was you you can you can blame the savings and loans for being short term finance for long term debt, which is what kind of what you're doing, uh, or you can say. How the hell did the money, the interest rate, get from 6 to 20? That wasn't their fault. That was the Fed screwing up. Yeah. Yeah, the Fed basically did the same thing it has done to Silicon Valley Bank, yeah. First Republic. It, it did the same thing back then, except in ta- instead of taking rates from 0 to 5, it took rates from, what, 4 or 5 to 20? 20. Well, yeah, almost the same nuts. thing. Well, who's to say we're yeah. not going to get there now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but, but that that but that that system only works if we have zero inflation. You think we're going to get zero inflation with the debt being lifted every couple no, of years? No, no, we're not, we're not, Well, we we can we can get. Let's put it this way, Hal. If you and I were doing the CPI, we got paid enough, we could be zero inflation. Not really, but <laughs> the numbers. I, I, you you can calculate it. You can you can finagle in a way where you get zero. Oh yeah, but, zero. let's just say your 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 rent basket is one percent, and your hospitalization is a half of one percent. And your and college tuition well, you, is a half you, of one percent. What you do is you change the weight so that uh, computers, laptops, smartphones, software are ninety percent of the basket, and then you get some deflation. But I'm gonna, I'll, uh, Mr. Weber, he'll be our, our man here. Maddie, have you? Uh, we used to be really, really, really young, and now you're not. But uh, have you ever even had a savings account? Uh, when I was a kid, briefly I did, but um, not. Um, not as an adult, no. Yeah, because there's, there's no reason for to page anything, right? Yeah, it's pointless. Yeah. So yeah. essentially, the entire entire bank is, is is a one big demand deposit. Yeah. Which, even though they count it as M two or whatever the hell they count it as, the simple fact is, if maybe if you got a hundred grand in a bank, you can walk in and write a check for a hundred grand or wire it out, and it's gone. You don't you don't have twenty thousand or ten thousand in your checking account for what you might need, and the other ninety in a savings account, which technically. What were they? Ninety days? Was it, where they could hold it, or sixty days, or something? Hell, if they needed to. Well, n- well, now savings accounts are just overdraft protection, so yeah. they're basically as liquid as checking accounts. Well, that's what I'm saying. So we we, yeah. we we changed all that, partially by not paying interest. Was that a good idea? I'm, I'm saying the oh, answer no. is no. <laughs> uh, this checkable deposit chart that I uh, tweeted last uh, Friday, no, it, it, it's it's screaming. The system is rigged. This is not a market system. No. The system is rigged for the ultra, ultra wealthy. It's rigged. And so it's not working. We, we agree that it's not working. What are we going to do to fix it? Well, how the and hell? No matter, no matter what we agree to how to fix it, will it be adopted? No, because well, back people up in D.C. To, are fine. We don't want to pile into too much politics as to who's running where because they yeah. – I don't mean – hell, I don't even know who all these people are, but – Oh, it, I, but the, my my issue it's a, is it's a uniparty. It's the two. They're two sides of the same coin. When the cameras are on, they pretend to hate each other. When the cameras are off, they're having tea and strumpets. But here, but here's with, uh, I, Lloyd with Lloyd. Well, what I'm saying Dumb Maddie's Dumber. Maddie's home district in Iowa, wherever the hell that was. Uh, I'm going to say that if they all of a sudden had a com- competing race, the money you're talking about is going to enter Maddie's district and his mom. She's going to become an also ramp as a voter there, and as a contribute as a contributor because the money is going to totally overwhelm your neighbors in that area, Maddie, from from the outside. That that to me somehow I don't know how. There's no way the people who wrote the Constitution would ever have anticipated that. I mean, you can say how we say what you want about how brilliant they were. I don't see how you anticipate that. 
because of how long did it take to get from Virginia to Washington on horseback? You know, if you were in the middle of Virginia, like six days. I, nobody ever thought that if you were from Florida, you'd in, you would influence an Iowa election. They couldn't have yeah. thought that. I mean, and I so I the, the big money now can manage to run everything. So how are these rules yeah. ever going to get changed to where somebody in Nevada? Has- I think ninety percent of the money in Nevada election campaigns is out of state. Yeah. These aren't, these aren't these aren't state elections. These aren't local elections. The di- the district attorneys, the public defenders, um, the prosecutors, th- those elections those aren't those aren't local elections. Those are national elections. What do you suppose? I, mean, I have a interesting group that I meet with on Wednesdays uh, most of the time, and uh, they're kind of retired judges and uh, attorneys and. You learn a lot from people that are a lot older than you, uh, especially about Chicago history. But you wonder when we start talking about these these judge races. Uh, I mean, most of these guys will tell you that if you run for judge and you get you know whatever two hundred thousand from somebody. I mean, uh, you know, both of I'd say he's both of our friends. Uh, you know, Bill Murphy, who's been a, a, a defense attorney forever. He said virtually all the judges end up maybe at 26th Street or Maywood or someplace, and they just do regular stuff, you know, robberies and whatever it is, or they'll end up somewhere in divorce court or someplace. And you can give them all the money you want, but there's really no... It's very rare that somebody would ever get to, like, for instance, if State Farm, you know, gave every judge a million bucks, which which they don't. But say if they did, it would only be like one judge a year or two that are actually in a case involving State Farm that means anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're they're kind of just like buying everybody. I mean, I mean, if yeah. if if Pfizer gives a whole bunch of dough to Maddie's cousin who's running in Iowa, what is what is Pfizer? This is my always thought is these people don't give people money for nothing. They expect something. What? Oh yeah. What do you suppose, yeah, Maddie? What do you think? A, they, well, Maddie, Maddie, what do you think? They someday somewhere it's it's like. Uh, you know the Godfather wedding scene where someday somewhere you owe me a favor. Is it? It may come to pass. It may never. What do you say? What was the exact? One hundred percent. Yeah. What was the exact words? And this day may never come. I'll need a favor back or yep, something like that. Exactly. And uh, so they just want to. They have so much money that they could just like kind of buy everybody in anticipation they might need you. I you know I don't see how you 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 scroll back some of these banking regulations. I don't see how you, you scroll back Dodd-Frank. I mean, the idea, you know, I mean, Maddie just went through it, but Audrey and Nancy will tell you, used to be able, when I bought my house in Beverly, my, my attorney says, hey, bring a couple hundred bucks and say, in case somebody added the thing up wrong. And all of a sudden, you, you owe somebody 50 bucks, you just reach across, here's the 50 bucks, now we're done. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. you got to wire it. No. I mean, I mean yeah. who cares? you gotta, you got you, you to prove that you weren't getting your down payment from your parents, right, Maddie? Yeah, that's right. And you had, a, you had to show that you had the money. But didn't didn't you? You have to get your dad's bank account or something. Um, something like that. No, not his bank account. I had to like prove that I had to have like his social security number and like the town he was born in and some random stuff, <laughs> which of course I didn't know the answers to any of those things. So I had to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but he. Well, but still, but I, mean, I didn't have to show any of their financial information because I put up the money myself. Okay, but it, if you'd have gotten. Uh, if, if your account would have showed a 10000 in it six months before, they'd have been all over you, right? Probably, yeah. And so they're going to want to know, who would you get it from? Was it a loan? They're yeah, going to exactly. want an affidavit from him. And what, what, What's the point? It's your money. What do, you, what do they care? I agree. You know, what I find interesting is, you know, that process is brutally painful. 
I've been through it a couple times post uh, Dodd Frank, and I hear these commercials on radio and podcast about how easy it is for people to steal your title, and I'm not sure how if that is true or not. I've never known anybody that had their title stolen, but it seems like they go through a lot of effort. And you spend a lot of money on closing costs. You spend a lot of money on lawyers. And yet, apparently, from the claims in these commercials, it's pretty easy for someone to steal your title. (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out, why did I spend, you know, $10,000 on closing costs? (laughs) Well, yeah. It's it's kind of really bizarre. I've got a bunch of buddies that do this for a living. All the stuff about, you know, people that bought all the homes at 3% and didn't have the money and how... These people are getting sued, and those people are getting sued. The people who came out smelling like a rose were all the attorneys. They're supposed to be representing somebody. Should have, isn't it their job to say, buddy, you can't afford this house? Well, in uh, in Trading Places, man, the, the brothers explain it really well, and and uh, Eddie Murphy's character summarizes her well. Um, they say no matter uh, what our clients do, whether they want to sell or whether they want to buy, we make money on both ends, and and uh, Eddie Murphy's character goes, oh, it sounds like you're a couple bookies. Well, yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> the lawyers are a couple, they're essentially a couple bookies. Well, I mean, I guess some of the stuff, the, re- the things we're talking about, Hal, the- these are relatively, in terms of history, these are relatively recent changes. I mean, is there anybody in Washington that says, how is it that everything at this bank is a demand deposit? Well, part of it is they're yeah. not paying any interest. But isn't anybody saying... This this wouldn't have happened forty years ago because they they couldn't have got the money out oh, in an hour. Oh no! I mean, who, who's pulling the strings? I mean, Ma- you know, you got Metallica song "Master of Puppets," right? Who's pulling these strings? Well, I think the guys that are pulling the strings are the ones that hold one point three trillion dollars in currency and checkle deposits, and they like the system, and they're the ones that got the money, and they're the ones that probably get these guys elected, and they get elected by pretending to hate each other when the cameras are on. Well, how does like, to me, it's just from from. I, I don't vote for Republicans. I don't vote for Democrats. And when you divorce yourself with those two political parties and you step back and you look at it, I think it's easier to see how much of a political game this is. Oh, the Democrats and Republicans on the news media, when the cameras are turned on, all they do is divide. They just divide. Why? Because they need to get reelected. They fear losing their next election, so they divide and conquer. And from thousand miles away a monet painting when you're in a party you're at the monet painting a foot apart i mean i mean sorry you're you're when you're when you're in a party and you're voting for one of your one of your team members your r your d's right you're you're 100 feet away looking at this monet painting you see people walking around but when you're outside of that system and you you vote for a candidate's gonna get one percent of the vote you're a foot away and you see it's just dots and that's what's going on in america you have the R's and you got the D's and those politicians and their allies in the media are very good at this puppet show. And it's just one big party and when the cameras are off, they enjoy themselves. I guarantee you it's just Well they've, that's they've, just a guess. Well they've totally bought off the media on top of it, which yeah. is even oh, more yeah. bizarre. I mean you, you won't see a Democrat going on a conservative talk radio shows post or a conservative talk radio shows. Uh, you won't see that. You won't see them going on to like a Sean Hannity show. Sean Hannity will only get Republicans. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Maddow will only get liberal Democrats. So they have these echo chambers. 
And people on the left who only watch left media only know that news that's being presented over there. And the same thing goes on with Fox and talk radio. Plus, it's totally, totally impossible to run as a third-party candidate. Yeah, it is. It's completely you'd have impossible. To be, you'd have to be so a gazillionaire. When the cameras are on, man, they fight like dogs and cats. When those cameras are off, I've heard from this North Carolina Democrat that when the cameras are off, all that stuff is just gone. What would happen if you interviewed, say, uh, how, how popular would, would Matt Weber be if we interviewed a, uh, a politician a week and all of a sudden we became a big show? We had, we, they had to be on here. And Maddie tweeted out all the places they got money from while they were on the air. <laughs> they would never do Maddie, you think there'd be a contract out on you in about two days? <laughs> yeah, if that long. If they, I mean, oh, <laughs> hey, RFK, did you see what RFK said on WABC Radio? No. He said the, the evidence is overwhelming that JFK was killed by the CIA and that the CIA covered it up. And I tweeted that story or that, that comment he made, that quote he made on that radio station. And I said, well, he's, he's going to be like, you're going to read a story where he either committed suicide, and I put committed in quotes, or he was uh, accused of a quote-unquote crime. And not debating, Bi- not being able to debate Biden in the upcoming election is the least of his problems. I'm going to say that uh, there's 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 no way that those people, Johnson included, didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, and I, I, I honestly, knowing what we know about how the FBI has been in the past, and what the CAA probably has done, being in the military, uh, JFK Jr. flying that plane and dying. Just I'm just going to say question mark and I'll leave it at that well I mean as, as much as I, I am not a, a Trump supporter at all but anybody the guy really should have been a third party candidate I mean he wasn't yeah. so he comes in as a Republican oh yeah he's not a conservative no no he comes in as a Republican but say he came in as a third party yeah. with with the idea that he's going to straighten out Washington yeah none of that stuff is wrong that the that the place is a swamp I mean I mean yeah I mean, and I, I tell you what I mean I'm one of these guys that even if you don't like somebody a lot of what they say is true. I mean, I, I was never a huge Jose Canseco fan, but I tell you what, I'm going to pay attention when he tells me about steroids because he knows a lot about them that I don't, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of people think that if you don't like somebody, everything they say is wrong. Well, that, that's, that's I'm going to say that's ignorant, really, I think. Yeah. But, but Trump, look at the response he got from the people in Washington. I mean, he, yeah, both Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, he was, he, and the bureaucracy. Yeah. And the bureaucracy, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm going to say that, you know, I'm no fan of the man, but people should be very upset with how he was treated by the bureaucracy. I mean, his, his personality yeah. was that of a of a lizard anyway, but because he didn't, he, yeah. you know, he, he didn't make anybody like him. But still, he was elected and he was a president, and they just didn't do anything he wanted to do. Yeah, they said so we're going to. Yeah, we're gonna, I, well, I think he was exposed. I think he was exposing it, and they pushed back. Oh yeah. I mean, remember what Chuck Schumer said? Chuck Schumer's going, dude, you're going after. The CIA, you're going after the national security state. They will come after you. He, I think that Chuck Schumer said that in well, an interview they did, on Elliot, TV. Anybody who's a threat, Elliot Spitzer, yeah. uh, Gary yeah. Hart, anybody who has a little bit of, of, of backbone, they go after. JFK was not going to, I don't think JFK was going to uh, expand that war in Vietnam. I think he was going to try to keep it small. And LBJ. He expanded that war in Vietnam. Okay, and look what it did. RFK, yeah. RFK. I think he was going to end that war. Oh, without in, a doubt, uh, Vietnam. 
SP yeah, Futures and down. Those two guys are no longer with us. Hell, take care of yourself, buddy. SP Futures down 16. NASDAQ Futures down 74. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.